Welcome to our daily portion with WIT Ministries. I'm Matt Russell, and I'm the director of WIT Ministries. And at Walking in Truth Ministries, we want to help people to be able to live a more God-centered, God-focused life and uh, in every aspect of their life. So the purpose for this podcast is for us to really strengthen our biblical discipline of reading the Bible. So I'm going to read a scripture every day where I'm going to share a nugget about that scripture. And then I'm going to say a little prayer at the end. And that will be the entirety of our episodes for this podcast. Uh, Please feel free to check us out at walkingintruthministries.org. Or you can also check out our other podcast, which is Living the Wit Life with Walking in Truth Ministries. I hope that this podcast blesses you as much as it blesses me. And uh, let's go ahead and get started with our daily portion. Are you concerned about what the future holds? Are you confident that the retirement plans that you have today will still be secure tomorrow? Let us help you by clearing up the uncertainty. This is Matt Russell, the director of WIT Ministries. Many of us at Walking in Truth Ministries are bivocational, working in our ministry as well as in the financial services industry at WinBig Financial Group. We help people to build a tax-free and risk-free retirement. Give me a call at 817-903-2575 to support our ministry and to secure your family's financial future. Again, Call today at 817-903-2575. Thank you and God bless. Judges 11, 1 through 33. Jephthah, the ninth judge. Now, Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a valiant warrior, but he was the son of a harlot. And Gilead was the father of Jephthah. Gilead's wife bore him sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall not have an inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. And worthless fellows gathered themselves about Jephthah, and they went out with him. It came about after a while that the sons of Ammon fought against Israel. When the sons of Ammon fought against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob, and they said to Jephthah, Come and be our chief, that we may fight against the sons of Ammon. Then Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, Did you not hate me and drive me from my father's house? So why have you come to me now when you are in trouble? The elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, For this reason we have now returned to you, that you may go with us and fight with the sons of Ammon and become head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, If you take me back to fight against the sons of Ammon, and the Lord gives them up to me, will I become your head? The elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, The Lord is witness between us. Surely we will do as you have said. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and chief over them. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord at Mizpah. Now Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the sons of Ammon, saying, What is between you and me that you have come to me to fight against my land? The king of the sons of Ammon said to the messengers of Jephthah, Because Israel took away my land when they came up from Egypt, 
from the Arnon as far as the Jabbok and the Jordan. Therefore, return them peaceably now. But Jephthah sent messengers again to the king of the sons of Ammon and said to them, Thus says Jephthah, Israel did not take away the land of Moab, nor the land of the sons of Ammon. For when they came up from Egypt, and Israel went through the wilderness to the Red Sea and came to Kadesh, then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Please let us pass through your land. But the king of Edom would not listen. And they also sent to the king of Moab, but he would not consent. So Israel remained at Kadesh. Then they went through the wilderness and around the land of Edom and the land of Moab and came to the east side of the land of Moab and they camped beyond the Arnon. But that did not enter the territory of Moab for the Arnon was the border of Moab. And Israel sent messengers to Sion, king of the Amorites, the king of Heshbon. And Israel said to him, please let us pass through your land to our place. But Sion did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. So Sion gathered all of his people and camped in Jahaz and fought with Israel. The Lord, the God of Israel, gave Sihon and all his people into the hand of Israel, and they defeated them. So Israel possessed all the land of the Amorites, the inhabitants of that country. So they possessed all the territory of the Amorites from the Arnon as far back as the Jabbok and from the wilderness as far as the Jordan. Since now the Lord, the God of Israel, drove out the Amorites from before his people Israel, are you then to possess it? Do you not possess what Chemosh your God gives you to possess? So whatever the Lord our God has driven out before us, we will possess it. Now are you any better than Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever strive with Israel, or did he ever fight against them? While Israel lived in Heshbon and its villages, and Aarior and its villages, and all the cities that are on the banks of the Arnon, 300 years, why did it not recover them within that time? I therefore have not sinned against you, but you are doing me wrong by making war against me. May the Lord, the judge, judge today between the sons of Israel and the sons of Ammon. But the kings of the sons of Ammon disregarded the message which Jephthah sent him. Jephthah's tragic vow. Now the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah that, so that he passed through Gilead and Manasseh. Then he passed through Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead, he went on to the sons of Ammon. Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed give the sons of Ammon into my hand, then it shall be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the sons of Ammon, it shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. So Jephthah crossed over to the sons of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord gave them into his hand. He struck them with a very great slaughter from Aorio to the entrance of Mineth, twenty cities, and as far as Abel Karamim. So the sons of Ammon were subdued before the sons of Israel. John 2, 1 through 12. Miracle at Cana. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing twenty or thirty gallons each. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. 
So they filled them up to the brim, and he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, and did not know where it had come from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there a few days. It's kind of difficult to see the connection between Judges 11, and especially when you talk about Jephthah's uh, vow that he made, and John, too, with the story of uh, Jesus turning the water into wine. But the key phrase here, I think, lies in John, too. First, you can look at Jephthah, and he says, um, he makes this vow, and he says, the next thing that walks through that door, the next thing that comes out, then I'm going to offer it up as a burnt offering. And then here comes his precious daughter. Well, you can see in John where Mary said, Mary said, because first of all, just as a little semi, just comical side note here, I think Jesus is the only man who's been able to just say woman and get away with it. But he says, woman, what is that that you're having me do here? It's not even, it's not my time. So you're, you're having me, this is too early. This is well before what, what's supposed to happen. So this was not, I mean, she knows, she's obviously seen miracles, but he's like, no, I don't need a crowd. I don't need this. So he lets her know that this, is, this isn't really the appropriate time. But her response was to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Don't question. Well, that's exactly what happened with Shephthah. He made a vow. <clears throat> the vow was tragic because it was not the result he would have wanted. The part that we, right after where we stop reading, it's his daughter comes out. And now he has to offer her up as a sacrifice. But it's that vow. Whatever you're saying here spiritually, you're making this vow to God in front of the people. And Mary's saying to the men, here's your vow. Whatever he says, do it. And don't question, just do it. Now, as a result of their obedience, and as a result of uh, everything that happened there, Jesus performed this miracle. Now, the head waiter said that it was the best wine. That's another big key. It wasn't just turning it into wine. Jesus didn't just turn the water into wine. He turned it into the best. So when he tasted it, he was astonished that it was the better wine being used later. He didn't know the source. But everyone who did understood that Mary made that vow. The, the servants followed direction. And... When Jesus spoke, they did exactly what he said. So we don't, I mean, God warns in James, 
The Bible says don't make a vow. Don't. You shouldn't make a vow unless you're confident and knowing. Because you have no idea. You shouldn't even tell people what you're going to do tomorrow. Because that's only if the Lord wills it. But we should be careful. Because when God says to do something, we should do it. Period. Be obedient. But if we're saying something and really setting our own vow, don't be surprised if it doesn't work out the way that we intended. Because you're not God. We are not God. It's not our place to do that. So, Father, thank you that you are perfect. And you do exactly as you say you're going to do. Sometimes it doesn't look the way that we would assume. But in the end, it's always your kingdom and your will. So, Father, I just pray that over my life. And I pray that over my wife and my family. That it would be your kingdom and your will. You speak, we obey. And let it be by your desire, not by ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today, and I hope that uh, that blesses you, either as an individual or uh, with you and your other loved ones. Uh, maybe this is uh, something that you're utilizing to to spend with your family, uh, some time around God's Word, and uh, of course, that is great. I love that, and I'd love to hear how uh, the Daily Portion podcast is blessing you. If you would, just go to our website at walkingintruthministries.org. And um, go on there and just drop us a little note about uh, this podcast or one of our other podcasts or even just check out the events that we have available. Uh, But again, thank you very much and look forward to seeing you again tomorrow as we dig into our daily portion with WIT Ministries. God bless.